So um, if you are new here, we're entering into a teaching time in our service. And right now we're in a season where we are studying the parables of Jesus, earthly stories about heavenly realities. And uh, we are going to consider two parables in our teaching time today. We're going to look at the parables of the mustard seed and leaven, the mustard seed and the leaven. And what I would like to do uh, is uh, invite you to uh, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 13, verses 31 to 33. Matthew 13, verses 31 to 33. You'll find that on page 819 of your church Bibles. And there's a Bible right underneath your chair or in the chair in front of you. And uh, uh, you can access that. It's a church Bible. If you don't have a copy of God's Word to call your own, feel free to take a copy of it. Now, uh, while you're turning there, I want to show you another video. It's Video Day at Windsor Road Christian Church. But this video connects with the parables that we're going to be looking at. Let's take, let's take a look at that parable. parables of the mustard seed and leaven. Matthew 13, 31 to 33. I want to put a tag on this message, and here it is, here it is. God is not hypnotized by size. God is not hypnotized by size. Hear these words from the Word. He put another parable before them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. 
It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. This is God's word. The parables of the mustard seed and leaven. One's an outdoor parable. The other's an indoor parable. One is about extensive growth. The other is about intensive transformation. One is about the visible, global reach of God's reign. The other is is about the hidden power that propels His reign. these, These parables are not identical, but they are interconnected. And both show the significance of smallness. And both assert the inevitability of God's ultimate victory. And that victory is about God's new world. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God's new world. In God's new world, there will be a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying aloud with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. God's new world. In God's new world, death shall be no more. There shall be no mourning, no crying, no pain, for the former things have passed away. God's new world. In God's new world, Jesus Christ will unite all things in heaven and on earth in himself. In God's new world, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, God's new world. And all those truths are packed into these two powerful parables. No, they're not cute Sunday school tales. These two parables, the mustard seed and the leaven, they tell us about the future. They tell us about the inevitability of God's future. And they bolster us with a vision of God's reality. The mustard seed and leaven. And if any of you here are wondering why all this matters, I would ask you this question. Did anybody here come here discouraged? Anybody here have a hard week this week? Anybody here thinking about quitting or giving up? You know, sometimes we can't, we get discouraged because we just cannot see the results of God's work in this world. We, we get discouraged because it feels like the world is winning. 
doesn't feel like that what we're doing for God makes any difference at all. And if anybody here came here thinking of that, I'm glad you did. And I, I came here to tell you a word of hope. I want to talk to that person who is feeling like they are slipping into despair and discouragement because they can't see the results they'd like to see. And maybe you're already there. Maybe you're already there. and You didn't even think about coming this morning, but here you are, thank God. And you don't think that what you're doing matters. You don't see how your presence or your gifts or your job are making any difference whatsoever. You are feeling the grind of insignificance. Anybody there? I'll bet we have some educators here today. You, you, may, you may have felt with some students and just the, just the whole... Um, the whole education machinery does this really matter if you're an addictions counselor you may have a few success stories but yet most of your clients relapse and you're thinking does this really matter you're in the not-for-profit sector and you're you're does, does it really matter and yes I could tell you more than a few stories about pastors and missionaries who just struggle with discouragement because you, you work and you work and you work and you, are, are you seeing the harvest? I mean, I can tell you this much, the disciples were there. They were. Yeah, I know this. Jesus had been preaching and teaching prior to Matthew 13 and this parable, and lives had been changed, and, and, and both Jews and Gentiles were being reached by Jesus. But there was, there was pushback, and the disciples began to wonder, well, what, you know, Jesus, you said that your kingdom is present. Well, if your kingdom's present, then, I mean, like, where are the numbers? Where's the metrics? Why isn't God moving to take over the Roman government? How are we ever going to make an impact without shock and awe? In Matthew chapter 11, if you flip back a page, at the very beginning of, of Matthew chapter 11, John the Baptist was in jail, and he sent some of his disciples to Jesus, and they were so discouraged, they asked this question, Are you the one... Or should we look for another? Now, why would they even need to ask that if not that they were discouraged? You see, to them, it didn't even appear as if the kingdom's arrival in this world was making any difference to the world. And, and, and in Matthew chapter 11, uh, Jesus' only response is, You go and tell John. You, you go and tell John what you see and hear. You tell him the blind are receiving sight, the lame are walking, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. And the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who's not offended by me. No, we're making a difference. It's just, it's just, it's just a different kind of making a difference. Yeah. Yeah, and so we get to Matthew chapter 13, and Jesus gives us a, a picture. He invites us into the palace of these parables. And he's saying, look, if you want to see reality from my point of view, step into the palace, step into the palace, get out of the Roman Empire and step into my palace and look out the window. Look out the window. What do you see out that window? You see that plant there? You see that plant there? That's a mustard seed plant. It's the, it's the Brassica nigra. It's the black mustard plant. California can't get rid of it. 
oh my goodness, Spanish colonizers brought it over from Eurasia and first used as a spice crop, but then it got out of control. It's an invasive plant. And it's hardy. And it is tough. And it germinates early in winter before the native plants have taken hold. And then it hogs all of the sunlight with its thick stalks. And then it lays down a deep root, uh, uh, its deep roots, and then that beats out the native plants for water, and then when it dries out, its seeds spill all over the ground, which are the first to spring up, and it starts all over again. Mustard plant. Mustard plant. Mainly, they're about four feet high. Some can reach up to six to eight feet. A few over ten feet, and it's a brilliant Yellow blossomed plant with green leaves. And you, if, you, if you like them as lettuce, go for it. If you, if you roast the seeds, you'll get a sweet, nutty flavor followed by a kick. But I'm telling you, it's a stubborn plant. It's a stubborn plant. Look at the text. The, the, text, the text literally says that the fella, he didn't sow them in his garden. That, that's not the word for garden. That's the word for field, where, field, where no one expects growth. Growth happens. And, and especially in the, in the harsh, scorched, parched land. And now look at it. Look, at, it's all over everywhere. Hope you like the color yellow. Hope you like the color yellow because it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And you can't miss it. You can't. You can't. And, and, and then look at those birds there. Look at those birds there. Those birds, they're, they're building a nest in there. What's that? The shelter, that shade, it's respite. Oh, my goodness. Good luck trying to pull it out of the ground. It's not going anywhere. Mustard plants. And Jesus says, that's what my kingdom is like. That's what my kingdom is like. The scope and the rain and the rule of God, and the presence of Jesus Christ displayed in the life of his church, it's just like that stubborn mustard. And Jesus says, to think of it, it all started with a little seed. <laughs> See, a single one millimeter wide seed. You got a, you got a pen in your hand, Make a little period there on your notes. It ain't even that size. Yeah, yeah. It takes about 500 mustard seeds to weigh one gram. The smallest of all seeds becomes the greatest of all garden plants. Yeah, the mustard. Oh, now wait a minute. I know someone's going to come to the fireside room. <coughs> After church, and they're going to say, Pastor, now while you were preaching, I did a fact check. And mustard seeds aren't the smallest seed. The orchid seed is. Well, you're right. And, and I'm glad that you fact check your pastor. That's good. That's good. It, it, it really is. Let's, but let's let Jesus say it his way, though. Really. Let, uh, Jesus, Jesus is teaching us theology, not botany, okay? And, and in Jesus' context, in first century Israel, there in Galilee, in that location, the mustard seed was what the Galileans knew about and planted in their fields, you see. So, well, what Jesus is trying to say is that all the amazing characteristics and qualities and flavors and stubbornness are crammed into that one little, tiny seed all of that 
crammed into there. But it doesn't look like that now. No, not yet. But just you wait. Get, be patient. Give it time. Don't quit. Something that, smarts, that starts that small and insignificant becomes unstoppable. What is not yet is already guaranteed in the now. The, the God who made a beginning will see his kingdom through to the end. That, that's what this is about. So, so, so don't worry about needing to be the, the latest and the greatest and the biggest and the, and the grandest. God is not hypnotized by size. Mustard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but wait, Jesus isn't done. Don't leave yet. Stay in the palace. Step into the kitchen. Step into the kitchen. Look, you see? You see her? Look at her. Look at that dough. Look at that dough. Three measures. Three measures. Not three cups. Not, not three biscuits. Not three donuts. It's in Saturday morning at home here. It's, it's 13 liters of wheat flour. That's 16 five-pound bags. That's what that is. And, and, and she's a professional baker. She, and she's going to take some of last week's fermented dough. Fermented dough. So, so don't be thinking of that, that little packet of, of yeast that you get at the store. We're talking about fermented dough from last week's batch. And it's going to be about three pounds of zume. Zume, zume. Leaven, leaven, leaven. And then she's going to hide it into the new batch. So about 3% from the outside is going to make contact and hide itself inside and as a result of that things are going to change and when the dough proofs it's going to expand to about 40 liters that's about 10 gallons that's 101 pounds of dough that's going to feed a crowd of 100 people it's it's the most that one person could prepare at a time in that day. And she's going to do it. It's, it's living leaven that will die in the dough only to make it rise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the leaven's going to do the labor. And it's all going to become a heaving, panting, swelling, sweating lump of, 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 of fermentation. Yeah. 100 pounds. 100 pounds of dough is resistless against 3 pounds of leaven. I don't think I've ever been so excited about leaven today, folks. It's, it ain't the coffee. It's the leaven. My goodness. And, 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 and Jesus says, that's my kingdom. And, uh, but, 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 but let's be clear. The kingdom of heaven is not leaven. It's the leavening process. It's the process, you see. Parable number one, mustard seeds. Start small and then go wild. Yeah. Parable number two, when the leaven gets in, it wins. Yeah. Jesus says, that's what my kingdom is about. And then Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. Are you listening? Jesus says. Are you listening? Jesus has given us, here's our big idea. Here it is. Don't miss this. God's beginnings may be small, but they are never insignificant. Hmm? God's beginnings may be small, but they are never insignificant. The point of the mustard seed is its pervasive, out-of-control growth, like Christ's kingdom. 
the point of leaven is the power of Christ for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. That is the entire world. The gospel is not a set of teachable tenets. The gospel is a power. It's the power to change lives. Hasn't the gospel changed your life? Why, why do we have universities? Why do we have modern hospitals? Why do we have scientific exploration? Why do we have notions of equality and compassion and humility and love and consent and science and freedom and moral improvement? Where did these assumptions come from? They come from Jesus Christ, church. When you visit a museum and you see an ancient relic, an ancient cross, and you look in awe and you say, ah, that's sacred art. That observation testifies to the leaven of the gospel because I can assure you that in first century Rome, when people saw a cross, they did not see sacred art. They saw an instrument of torture they saw a slave's death they saw roman domination but not no more how we see the cross has been revolutionized because the cross has revolutionized how we see yeah yeah um one author wrote these words the extraordinary impact of christianity is seen in the fact that you don't notice it see you, you already hold particularly Christianish views, and the fact that you think of these values as natural, obvious, or universal shows how profoundly the Christian revolution has shaped you. And, and, and even when God's people are condemned for their sinful failures, they're condemned by the very Christian scriptures that formed them in the first place, you see. And these values come from the slow, steady, stubborn leavening of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our culture. Pervasive growth and comprehensive transformation. This is God's way. This is God's way. Now, God could have chosen to do his way like the Roman Empire. Shock and awe. Overwhelming. And because everybody in Jesus' day knew how Rome made his entrance. And it wasn't subtle. It was legions and legionnaires and warriors and chariots. And Rome came to town with an impressive, decisive power. And Jesus says, I'm not Rome. My kingdom is not of this world. And rather than shattering us with towering redwoods, Jesus brings his kingdom through the lowly garden herb. He brings his kingdom like a slow and bubbly leaven. Now make no mistake, make no mistake, small is not insignificant. Small is great in the hand of God. And therefore you don't need to have a siege mentality. You don't need to, to turtle up in fear. It doesn't matter what the score is at halftime. God will win. 
And when he does, the final outcome will far exceed anything anyone could ever have imagined. That's what these parables teach us. Now, I I just want us to understand three truths. These are three truths that I've learned from these parables that I want to leave with you. And the first is this. The one thing, uh, and and this came uh, from... um, uh, pastor and author and theologian named Ray Orland and it just it just encouraged me the one thing that the gospel never does is nothing the one thing the gospel never does is nothing the the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ cannot be held at arm's length with critical detachment no no we don't judge the gospel the gospel judges us and it saves us and if you will take it into your heart and let it feed your hope then your life will expand like mustard and your soul will bubble over like leaven. And, and, and so every time we hear the gospel preached, every time we read scripture, one of two things happens. We either get hardened or we get softened. We, we cannot s- stay the same as if we were in control. First. Uh, Corinthians 1.18 says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. The one thing the gospel never does is nothing. That's, that's lesson number one. Lesson number two is this. We cannot manage the power of God. You, you, I mean, try to manage mustard. Go ahead. We cannot manage the power of God. We can only prove his power one way or another and reveal the truth about ourselves. That's lesson number two. And lesson number three is this. Mustard seed only works in the field. Leaven only works when it's hidden in the dough. Okay? You take that mustard seed, it's in a jar, sits on the shelf, and you leave it there for six months, it's not going to do anything. It needs to hit the field, the harsh, unforgiving, difficult field. That's what it's got to do. And, and, and I think that that message needed to be told to the Apostle Matthew's first audience, the, the folks who first heard these words. The Apostle Matthew wrote to a mustard seed-sized congregation. And they were in increasingly feeling the pressure of persecution. So, so, so it's one thing to start small and then with a lot of hard work and serving and preaching and teaching and caring for others, see congregational growth. It's another thing to start small and do all of that work only to be not only ignored but despised and then persecuted and then put to death. Matthew's audience, they were getting confronted with the questions like, what was your, if, what, what, if your leader is a leader, what was he doing getting crucified? You're saying that a crucified peasant Jewish rabbi is king of creation and that he rose from the dead? And Matthew's congregation says, yes, that is exactly what we are saying. We're saying that Jesus' kingdom is like a mustard seed. It's not a military coup. 
And someday it will be a huge and mighty tree housing birds, housing birds. So if you go to Ezekiel, who's a prophet in the Old Testament, there's this image of this towering tree with birds, and the birds are the nations of the world. So God's kingdom is global. Someday this mustard plant will be a mighty oak. And just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it's not going to happen. The kingdom is here, and there's more to come. There's more to come. Right now, because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we have been rescued from the penalty of sin. Right now, right now, because of His Holy Spirit leavening us, we are being rescued from the power of sin. And, and one day in the future, Jesus, on His return, will rescue us from the very presence of sin altogether. Yes, the future has already happened in the eyes of God. It's already complete. It is the way Jesus says it will be. His presence there in his realm guarantees his word in this realm. God is in our future, and the future is done. It's complete. And faith, brothers and sisters, means that we are so confident that Christ has already finished the future that we begin to live in the future tense now. And as Christ followers, we are so sure the future is the way Jesus says it's going to be that we're going to live. We're going to live that way now. So we're not going to give our lives to money because money is not the currency of heaven. Love is, love is, cross-bearing, sacrificial love. We're not going to give our lives to the other idols of our culture because, because Jesus' cross, his love, that's the currency in the world to come. Now, what if we were committed, what if we were committed to such cross-bearing love? What if, what if, what if? What if over the next 15 months, whereas our world, and quite particularly our nation in particular, where it's biting its fingernails to the nub over the upcoming political cycle, what if we as the people of God, as ambassadors of Christ's eternal kingdom, choose to display poise, confidence, steadiness, grace, and calm? What if we could do that? What if, what if in the many anxious spaces of this world, we choose to bring the peace of the Holy Spirit into whatever room we enter? What if, what if, what if a congregation of kingdom ambassadors went out to the places where Jesus has sent us, and I'm talking about the spaces you're going to be tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., and what if we lived remarkable lives by the power of the gospel in and through our hearts? Why? What if, what if, what if? You say, well, how would we do that? Well, well, first of all, show up to work on time. Okay, all right, okay, yeah, so, and so show up to work on time, and then, and then do the job you've been hired to do, okay, do, do your work with excellence, do your work with integrity, do your work with a positive spirit, 
work consistently, dependably, faithfully, and with joy. Yeah, yeah. What's that like? That's like leaven. That's leaven. And all the while, as it's fermenting there in the dough, hidden in the dough, you're praying, oh God, give me an opportunity to put in a good word for you and help me to see that that opportunity is there when you supply it and help me say it with grace and truth. I'm, I'm, I'm about done here. Here we are, church family. We're mustard seeds, not ballistic missiles. We're leaven, not lava. Small is not insignificant in the hands of the Savior. Amen.